Part one in the books. Now part two of covering the Commonwealth begins right now. Yep, we're copying this idea. Covering the Commonwealth, a look at the locally interesting teams and stories from the experts who cover them. Let's start with JMU. Shane Metlin, Harrisonburg Daily News Record, with us here in covering the Commonwealth. Shane, the big college game day festivities capped off an emotional week for JMU. Did they run out of steam looking largely flat before rallying and ultimately losing in overtime to App State? They definitely came out flat. I mean, there was just a lot of things that were completely atypical for JMU in the first half of that game. Jordan McLeod had been putting the ball wherever he wanted to the first the last few weeks, and he was really off, um, especially early on. They missed a field goal. They they had a, a few a couple face mask penalties on the same drive that led to App State points. There, there were a lot of things early on that just wasn't what you had been seeing from JMU. Uh, really throughout the season. It is not what JMU had shown through much of the season. They lose that game. How much of it was App State, the way they played, the way they game planned? How much of it is potentially the air being let out of the balloon with the realization that uh, barring any kind of last-second collapse, even entering that game against App State Saturday, the JMU Dukes were not going to get a New Year's Six Bowl game despite the fact that up to that point their resume seemed to warrant it. I don't know if it was the the bowl game stuff that really made a huge difference. I mean, I think, you know, there's a lot of just you get the questions about game day. You know that's going on, like, just down the street from the uh, team hotel. You're not part of it. Like, I don't know. Eventually they were going to have, I think, a game where they came out and played flat to start. But um, I, I don't know that the bowl stuff really made a huge difference because that's – that's been there the whole season, but but something definitely was just not – they weren't as locked in to start this game as they typically have been. No, it didn't look like that for JMU. They rallied, they forced overtime, but they ultimately fall to Appalachian State 26-23. Shane Metlin, Harrisonburg Daily News record with us here in the fast lane. Shane, in spite of all that, the JMU Dukes, they are one of five programs in the country right now with football and men's basketball boasting teams in the top 25 what does that say about the overall athletic program? Uh, right now, the athletic program, I, I, you might not find a better all-around athletic program in the country right now. You, you talk about the football and basketball teams both ranked, which is crazy for you know a quote-unquote mid-major. Um, their soccer team just made the Sweet 16. Um, the volleyball team might get an at-large berth to the NCAA tournament. Like Basically, every sport on campus right now is thriving it's been it's been a pretty unbelievable month you know beyond all the football stuff it has it's been a wild chunk of time for jmu athletics but overall it's been very productive and fruitful how likely is this to continue overall from an athletic department standpoint the success they've had to this level i mean it's going to be really hard to maintain like everything going perfectly essentially um but i mean it's all it's always been a school that has you know spent money on all its sports like you know proportionally the football budget probably isn't the same as a lot of schools like they, they're spending money all around they've had success they've won national championships and in, in, in other sports especially women's sports um so I think they're going to be a successful athletic department, although their AD, Jeff Bourne, who's kind of the architect of all this, is retiring at the end of the school year. So that's always going to be a question mark going forward. 
Shane Metlin, Harrisonburg Daily News Record. Shane, thank you for your time today in the fast lane. Much appreciated. All right, thank you. Shane Metlin with us here in the fast lane. And last but not least, or maybe least, that professional football team in Landover, Maryland, or is it Ashburn, Virginia? Well, the Washington Commanders. You could say that they're in hot water, but maybe cold water is the better analogy because there was no hot water at FedEx Field after the Washington Commanders lost to the New York Giants yesterday. Candy Waller of Seawall Sports and Entertainment was there covering the game, and she's now with us in the fast lane. Seawall, was there no hot water for the team and the players to shower because it was all on Ron Rivera, who seems to be in pretty hot water for that performance? Listen, I I was actually shocked. I knew there had to have been, aside from the fact that the team lost pretty miserably, I was like, wow, everybody's leaving really fast. But, I mean, some players did still shower, but we didn't know until we were kind of like in there interviewing players like, oh, a lot of people left because there's no hot water. Yeah, that's one of the many challenges from the Washington Commanders yesterday. Maybe the least of concerning for Ron Rivera. Um, obviously, you're there for the press conference. We happen to uh, to be able to catch that as well as many fans can. He seemed about as quick, testy, and being tested by reporters afterwards. Is it just me, or does it kind of seem to indicate that he feels the pressure being ratcheted up and maybe knows what the ultimate outcome is going to be, even if it doesn't happen immediately. Absolutely. I mean, it would be a terrible secret if it wasn't known that, you know, they are all being evaluated, you know, all, all over the building, you know, football and business side. They are being evaluated by this new ownership group. I think everyone, all parties involved, thought this season was going to go much better than it has. Um, and because of that, hey, we've already seen some changes, right, with the trading of Montez Sweat and Chase Young, which nobody thought both of them would be traded in the same season, but they were. So I think it's just the, the writing's on the wall, and it's kind of like just waiting it out until the season is over, perhaps. Yeah, it's a weird position in which to find yourself If you're the Washington Commanders, it's unlikely you make a change now because you've got Dallas coming up in three days. Is there the possibility, especially if it looks bad on national TV in that second game on Thanksgiving Day, which our listeners can enjoy on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app, I might throw that plug in, Seawall, that maybe you make a change after that game for the last stretch run of the season to see what you have in Eric Bieniemy, or do you just wait until everything's done? I mean, I can see it going either way. I mean, so far, the commanders are not doing so well at all on anything that's televised, right? I mean, if there is potentially another debacle, like what happened on Thursday Night Football against the Chicago Bears, or something similar to what everyone saw yesterday that actually happens on Thanksgiving at a prime day in prime time, could see things happening a lot sooner than waiting until the end of the season um, to just, hey, just count our losses early and just ride the rest of the season out and let's see what we have in the remaining coaching staff and players. Or the owners is exactly what you said. Say, hey, everybody I might want to have coach and or play for me, they're all coaching and or playing, hopefully, until the latter part of January, uh, beginning parts of February. So let's just wait it out because we know we're going to make changes anyway. Can really honestly see this going either way, but if it's a big, huge blunder, like we have seen, unfortunately, throughout this season, you could definitely see a change sooner rather than later. The fact that we're even having this discussion, Seawall, is not exactly a ringing endorsement of this team and the Washington Commanders uh, in and of itself. 
If you're to advise on how they handle this game against Dallas, other than just win, how in the world do you go about pulling that off? It's going to be tough. I mean, it is going to be tough, especially in such a short week. I mean, I had an opportunity today in the press of the X, Coach Rivera. You know, how do you make corrective act, um, corrective um, action toward the mistakes that were made yesterday? I mean, we saw a little bit of everything from missed tackles to fumbles to interceptions to j- dropped passes. So, what? How much progress can you potentially even make between now and Thursday? And it's going to literally be. These guys just have to want to come out and win more than anything on national TV. I honestly think that's the only way they're going to, they're going to actually do that. Well, Candy Waller of Seawall Sports and Entertainment. Seawall, S-E on Twitter. Seawall Sports on Instagram and CEO Seawall on Instagram as well. Candy, thank you for your time today in the Fast Lane. Have a happy Thanksgiving. We are thankful for your insight each and every week. Thank you so very much, and I'm thankful for you all always having me. I'll be talking to you guys again soon. And last but not least, or maybe least, the Radford Highlanders with Rick Watson, play-by-play voice for the Radford Highlanders, joining us here in Covering the Commonwealth. Rick, a pleasure to speak with you. Last week, VCU, rough trip to Richmond. JMU, Radford lost, but looked a lot better against a team that is now in the top 25 in men's basketball. How much have those challenging games prepared Radford for what to expect when playing in Cancun against Morgan State? Gentlemen, welcome. Hola, and welcome <laughs> from Cancun, Mexico. Uh, well, those two games were eye-openers. The VCU game, I think Coach Nichols, yeah, Nichols said very well and succinctly after. Uh, he felt like in the second half, you know, it's a 33-tie game at halftime, and they got physical with us, and he didn't like that response, and he challenged our guys. They stayed on the road. They went straight from Richmond uh, to Harrisonburg, and they came out and played a heck of a game. I mean, that was a game where really they dictated the pace, and then JMU made a few more plays at the end, got a couple stops. But even though they both were losses, he felt much better about the effort after the JMU game. That's why the guys had responded to the challenge that he gave them. 40-17, to 17, VCU outscores Radford in the second half. Then a couple days later, Radford had the lead at the break, but they're outscored 41-34 in that particular position as well. How do the Highlanders get things corrected in the second half of games, or is this the product of early season basketball where you're trying to get yourself into shape for 40 minutes? Well, the problem with the James Madison game was they couldn't keep them off the free throw line. Uh, there was a huge discrepancy of free throws, so therefore they were able to kind of keep us at arm's length until we shot the basketball very well in the final seven minutes and got back into it and actually had a three-point lead in the final two and a half minutes. But that was the big thing. The VCU game was just one of those where nothing would fall. They didn't run offense. And this is why teams like Radford play the schedule they do. In our, bid, in our league, it's a one-bid league. You can have a very uh, nice win or two out of conference. It looks great. People like to talk about it. But in the end, it really doesn't give a damn, you know, make a damn, because all it's about in the Big South is winning the tournament. And games like this is going to make Radford much better once we get into the Big South. Rick Watson with us here in the fast lane. Rick, last one for you. Morgan State is next up for Radford. Obviously, it kicks things off down in Cancun, 12.30 p.m. tomorrow on the VTRN Roanoke app, the Virginia Talk Radio Network Roanoke app, uh, and part of our coverage of Radford Highlander basketball. Um you mentioned the changes for Radford, particularly uh, making sure they 
prevent opponents from getting to the free throw line and finish things off. What is the other key area of emphasis that you expect Coach Nichols to bring up when you guys prepare this game broadcast tomorrow? Consistently, baseline defense. That's what VCU did, did us to death in the second half. They were getting anything they wanted, running plays off the wing and feeding it to their posts and their dribblers on the wing. That's something they didn't close off very well. It was a little better on Friday, but then in the end when JMU took the lead late, they had a couple of layups in the lane. So he's looking for that to improve tomorrow. And as always, the big thing with him is rebounding. You know, if we can control the glass, we can control the game, and that's what he's looking to do tomorrow. Rick Watson with us here in the Fast Lane, play-by-play voice, Radford Highlanders basketball. Rick, thank you for your time today. Much appreciated. Thanks, guys, and uh, glad to have you as part of the Radford basketball family. So glad to have you guys carrying our games. Indeed, we are indeed as well. Rick Watson with us here in the Fast Lane. A pleasure to speak with him today. That does it for us today. Trey and I back tomorrow afternoon and Wednesday before we're off Thanks to football on Thursday and Friday. So much more coming up, so stay tuned, including Monday Night Football tonight. Will the Eagles get it done against Kansas City? Find out 7.30 p.m. Eagles, Chiefs, Monday Night Football on the CBS Sports Radio Lunchburg app.